the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Well, good afternoon, Bay Area, and welcome to what is going to be the uh, eighth month of the shutdown here in Santa Clara County, where I live. Yes, I know it's not really eight months, but it certainly <clears throat> certainly feels that way. If I sound a little bit hoarse, it's because uh, my uh, immune system is going crazy with all of the pollen that's in the air. I know many of you out there suffer from uh, allergic reactions to pollen and similar. I want to assure you that if I cough during the show today, it's not because I have contracted COVID-19 and I do not have the coronavirus. It's because of my allergies, which are rearing their ugly head here uh, today, especially today. Um, having a little bit of rain followed by hot weather is always a wonderful combination for those of us who suffer from allergies. And if you're one of them, you know exactly what I'm talking about out there. Now, I have been uh, talking for the last several weeks about a lot of different things. I've had a couple of guests on the show. Uh, right now, I am negotiating with an estate planning colleague of mine, who was on my show, I think, about a year ago talking about conservatorship, and I'm trying to see if he'll come back so that we can do another show on that. I think it's very timely right now as uh, as people are facing the possibility of becoming incapacitated uh, due to contracting COVID-19 or any one of hundreds of other ailments that could uh, afflict us in our lives. So I'm working on getting a speaker in. I want to extend out out there. If you have a business or you have a service that you can provide that you believe would be especially important or relevant during this time when people are limited in their ability to travel, in their ability to get access to goods and services they may need, please consider giving me a call at 408-247-0444 or email me at radio at lawbob.com. That's R-A-D-I-O at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. And uh, let me know about you or let me know about your company. If you know a company that you think might be a very great use to people during this time and it's somewhere here in the Bay Area, you can let me know as well and how I could contact them and 
who I might speak to at that company. I am trying to get local businesses and local service people on my show so that they can let people know how they can help out. And uh, and then maybe some of you out there will decide to patronize them and uh, keep more and more of our local businesses open and operating because this is a time when trying to keep business open and operating is at a premium. And um, I'm trying to do whatever I can uh, or do my part in trying to get uh, people still active and have their businesses still be active. This is a very difficult time we're going through right now. Um, I don't know how many of you out there have children who are school-age children. I have two myself, um, my twin daughters, and they're having a very difficult time with the remote learning that's going on. Um, I mean, I'm having a very difficult time. I I did not sign up to homeschool my children, and I'm sure very few of you out there, uh, unless you are homeschooling your children, you probably didn't sign up to homeschool your children. This is a very, very difficult time for that as well. I know that my own children have pretty much checked out now from caring about school. Um, even my honor student has said she's done with school and we're just working very diligently now to try to get them to finish the last two weeks of the school year and at least get some of their work done so they can pass and move on to seventh grade. They're in sixth grade right now. It's a very, very difficult time for many of us. I do want to let you all know that I am still in practice I'm still offering consultations. I'm still doing legal work for people. I'm doing estate planning for people. And I am also doing the special planning that I do to gather in loose assets into a trust after someone's died, which is called the Hegstat petition. And I'm also doing trust modification petitions where you take an irrevocable trust that may need to be changed in some way to make it a better trust or to correct a, a flaw or a deficiency in it, and I'm doing those kinds of petitions as well. In fact, that aspect of my practice has blossomed in the last five or six weeks as I'm getting uh, calls coming from all over the state from uh, attorneys whose clients need help, and they cannot get any kind of relief in their court systems where they're at because the courts are shut down. I have a way to get it done up here in the Bay Area. So if you're facing a situation like that, feel free to email me at radio at lawbob.com. If you've been told it can't be done, try giving me a call, try emailing me, and we may find out that there's actually a way to get it done and get it done quickly and efficiently. I have done uh, five of those petitions since this all started. I have two more of those petitions that have been sent out uh, recently, and I have, I think, two or three more that are going to be going out within the next three to five days. So if that's something you need help with, email me at radio at lawbob.com. I'm going to be opening up the phone lines today, and you can call in and you can talk about anything you'd like. I'm going to adopt kind of more of a traditional talk show format 
it doesn't have to be about estate planning. I will say I'm not going to get political on the show today, so please don't call in and get political. Um, instead, if you're having issues with remote schooling, let's talk about that. I think that would be a topic that would be of interest to a lot of people uh, or not. But let me give you the number. It's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Vince, my engineer, is standing by if you'd like to call in and chat today on the show. Um, Barring that, I'm going to go back to my usual format, and I'm going to uh, talk about uh, questions and comments from around the state of California. We've got a Roughly a couple minutes left in this first show break and before the first break of the show. So I'm going to cover this one that comes out of the Bay Area here. This person said um, they're set to inherit around $100,000 in a probate case. Will it affect your Medi-Cal and EBT? And EBT is basically uh, um, monies, uh, what we used to call welfare, um, in order to pay for food and things like that. What can I do? Well, it's not, it's a simple question, but whether or not it will affect Medi-Cal and EBT um, has a lot of different factors in there, but probably the most important one is if the $100,000 is coming to you directly, then there's a good chance that it might end up costing you your Medi-Cal benefits, which is health insurance benefits, and your EBT, because both of those programs are needs-based programs which means that you actually, if you actually have money, then you may no longer be eligible for those programs until money is all used up. So that's kind of a short answer to that. When we come back after the break, the lines are open, 800-516-1220. Please feel free to call in. Even if you want to call in, let me know about somebody that might be a good fit to be on my show. I'd love to hear that as well. So when we come back after the break, This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and we'll talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Well, I want to let you all know that uh, I am taking calls today. If you would like to call in, the number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 if you'd like to talk with me on the air. Barring that, I'm going to um, go ahead. Excuse me. I'm going to go ahead and go back to my normal format, which is questions and comments from around the state of California. Uh, Here is someone that... uh, Okay, uh, here's someone who said, My dad was deemed incapacitated. He has a trust and has a bank account in that trust name. I am not his successor trustee. My mother is. My mother wants me to help pay bills and manage the money. How can I access funds from the bank with the durable power of attorney that I have from my father? The bank says that since the account is in the name of the trust, not my dad's personal name, 
the durable power of attorney doesn't work. Well, that's true. If an account that's owned by a trust is subject to being handled by the trustee of that trust, an account in an individual's name, not in their trust, would be handled by someone under a durable power of attorney. Now, it is possible, um, if the trust permits it, for the trustee of a trust to grant a power of attorney to someone to act on behalf of the trustee and access information and things like that. But that's not a really common provision that you're going to find in a lot of trusts. It takes a fairly sophisticated trust to give authority to do that. The trusts that I draft are pretty sophisticated, and they do give the trustee the ability to uh, appoint a power of attorney or even appoint a co-trustee to act with them as long as the co-trustee doesn't have more authority than the person granting the power in the first place. So in a case like this, I would start by asking, does the mother have authority as the trustee to appoint the son as her agent to access funds and uh, pay bills? Uh, The answer may be yes. The answer may be no. But the only real way to determine what the answer is is to look at the trust document. Now here, oh, this is a very timely question here. And I'm looking, this is actually a question that is from March, about a week after we were locked down. This person's asking um, or saying, I'm currently quarantined in my home after possible exposure to the coronavirus at work. The situation made me realize I've never left a will, which I should, since I want to leave everything to someone who is not my family or spouse. And let's pause right there. If you are married and you try to leave everything to someone other than your spouse or leave nothing to your spouse, your spouse can probably challenge that for a a spousal share of your property. In other words, you cannot completely disinherit a spouse um, in the usual course unless you have made provision for the spouse in some other way, like with life insurance or naming naming them as the beneficiary on, on a substantial IRA or 401k plan. But let's assume that's not an issue. Person said, I looked up how to do it, saw that I can just type a will up and sign it in the presence of two witnesses who also sign it. I do not have a printer at home, and given my situation, I cannot sign in anyone's presence. Is there an alternative way to do this? Well, the first thing is you can do what's called a holographic will. Holographic means written all in your own handwriting. So if you don't have a printer at home, you can sit down with a piece of paper. You know, it could be binder paper, just plain old paper, whatever it is, and write out your will. I, John Smith, uh, hereby leave all of my property to and then name the people you want to leave it to. Um, I name such and such a person as executor for my will. Probably want to put in, I waive any bond for them performing those services. And, uh, And then you date it and you sign it and then you have a holographic will all in your own handwriting. That being said, 
we have a law here in California that says if you have written up something that shows your testamentary intent, meaning your intention that, you dis- that you're disposing of your property, even if it doesn't have the formalities of being all in your own handwriting or witnessed by two witnesses, it can be treated by the court as your will if it shows that you intended it to be a will. Uh, you can download a statutory will form from the website for the State Bar of California. That's calbar.ca.gov, G-O-V, calbar.ca.gov. I believe that's what it is, unless they change it to .org, but I think it's still .gov. But basically, you can write a will out all in your own handwriting, expressing your testamentary intent, and that will be a valid will under California law. It does not have to be printed out. It does not have to be witnessed to be a valid will. It just has to be all in your own handwriting, called a holographic will, and that would be a way for this person or anyone out there who is in quarantine and has no way to to actually have witnesses witness your will. Although um, I can tell you that that is something that um, I am doing in my law practice. Um, My practice has opened up again. Um, I can meet people in my office if they feel comfortable with that. I can have them come in and sign their estate planning documents in my office if they feel comfortable with that. Um, That is because I am an essential business. I'm also notary public, which is another essential business, so I can notarize documents for my clients as well. I practice very, very specific sanitation practices for anyone who comes into my office, including a dedicated area for that purpose that I spray down with disinfectant and let air dry. I don't wipe it around. I let it air dry, which is more effective. I wear masks. And then I use uh, pens for signing that have been soaked and disinfectant and allowed to air dry. So I am set up to actually meet with people again to sign their legal documents. So if you've been hesitating going forward with getting planning because you didn't know how things could get signed, be assured that's something that I can assist with now. And my office is set up to be um, uh, for that purpose. I have a large outer office that's about 15 feet long plenty of room to practice social distancing and keep safe when someone comes to my office. Okay, we're coming up on the uh, second break of the show today. When we come back, I want to continue with more questions and comments. If you'd like to call, the number is 800-516-1220. Be happy to talk with you today. Find out how you're all holding up during this time. And, uh, And if you have any businesses you'd like to recommend, I'd be happy to give them a plug on the air. I'll talk with you after the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Well, I just want to let you know I am taking calls today. The number is 800-516-1220. If you would like to call in 
and uh, chat with me about eh, pretty much anything. I um, I want to have kind of like an open mic today. I know that that's uh, something that a much more experienced talk show host than myself uh, will do regularly on Fridays. My show is always on a Friday, so I guess you could say that it's always open mic Friday on my show because I don't have any other <laughs> any other day where um, where I'm on the air. But uh, I'm going to continue. Uh, if you want to call in, it's 800-516-1220. But I'm going to continue on with some more questions and comments from around the state of California. Now, here's an interesting one out of uh, the Santa Barbara area. This person says they have a residential lease with their grandmother and lives in one of grandma's houses and pays monthly rent to her. Says, uh, my father's going to inherit the house after grandma dies, and it's and it's in her will. I'm assuming it's in her trust. Recently, my aunt and uncle got power of attorney over her family trust. Again, probably not power of attorney. It took over grandma's family trust by having a doctor declare her unable to make decisions because of her health. And they're putting her in a nursing home against her will this month. They recently threatened to have me evicted from the house claiming they own all the properties now. Can they do this? I have a residential lease signed by my grandmother that predates their power of attorney status. Well, the short answer is they probably can't evict anybody from a property that has a lease on it. Uh, the lease at some point will come to its end. At that point, if they wanted to evict, they could go through the process of giving you notice to to leave, um, to take the property back. Um, but the bottom line is uh, the aunt and the uncle actually don't own the properties. They might be in charge of them for grandma, but they don't own them. And if they're behaving like they actually own everything, like it's their property, that's a serious issue. And that's something that might actually need to be addressed in a court of law. But for this person, if you have a lease and they try to evict you when you actually have a written lease and you're not in default under the lease, um, they will not succeed in court in evicting you. As long as you're making the payments and you're not destroying the place and you're otherwise in compliance with the terms of the lease, you have a right to stay there through the end of the lease. So that's kind of a short answer to that. Okay, here's someone out of San Diego said, My husband was gifted his mother's house from his mother who's still alive. Let me pause right there. Probably not a good idea because if you gift a real piece of real estate to a child while you're still alive, <clears throat> your child also receives as part of that gift a gift of your basis in the property for income tax purposes. And if you're getting a gift of the basis in the property for income tax purposes, that means that the property is subsequently sold. There's likely to be capital gains tax owing on that property, uh, especially if the mother owned the property for many, many years. Her basis for income tax purposes might be very, very low relative to the value of the property today. So, first of all, I would not recommend people do that. It's like if you want to leave the property to your child, then put it into a trust so that your child receives it when you die. 
and then your child gets a new cost basis for income tax purposes equal to the fair market value of the property at the date of your death. But in this case, this person says, the quit claim, the gift from mom, just has my husband's name on it. How can I be added to the deed? Well, and first of all, it begs the question, does your husband want to add you to the deed to his mother's house? It, it's, it's his mother's house. It is his inheritance that would be coming. It's his likely separate property. It's a pretty straightforward thing to add you to the deed if you're the spouse. Your husband can actually do a deed, transferring it from himself to the two of you as husband and wife. If he wants to make sure that it is uh, a gift of half the property to you, he would put that it's community property, and now you own the whole thing. Then if either one of you dies, the property gets a new cost basis um, at the death of either one of you. But this is the kind of thing where I don't know if this person's asking for an attorney's opinion because they don't want to ask their husband. It may be that the husband's attitude is, this is my mom's house, this is my house, it's staying in my name, and you know I'm not going to put you on the trust, or excuse me, on the title of the, of the property. Okay, now here's a situation where um, someone said uh, they set up a living trust four years ago, but never put their house or accounts in the name of the trust. Um... They then lost their original living trust, and they want to know, should I restate it or redate it? Um, I would say right now, restate it. In other words, put um, take the whole trust that you did, print it out all over again, print out a new will, sign the trust, and it would say something like, you know, the John Smith Trust dated... Uh, January 1st, 2016, restated on May 15th, 2020, and sign the new trust. I would say that's the thing to do. Now, now, now here what floors me is most attorneys said when calling around to restate the trust, which is what I would do. One said if it was not funded, and you don't want to make changes to the trustee, etc., just remove the last page, redate it, sign it, and have it notarized. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that because I think you might be setting yourself up for someone challenging it later on. Um, you know, if you have a copy of the trust, I don't know. I think restating it is better because then it's very clear that uh, you intended to do that and you have a whole new document. You're not even looking at the prior document anymore. Now, here's kind of a strange one when I first saw it. Um, this person says they work in a mortgage company. And um, there's a client that supplied all the pages they have for their trust. The trust looks complete, but it's comprised of sections and subsections. There are sections 1, 5, 7, and 13, and then there are subsections. Um, one of the sections has a subsection that is has 7.32 following 7.25. Um, so what they're trying to figure out is 
is this the entire trust? Because it jumps around from section to section to section without numbered sections in between. And the problem is the loan will not go through because there are pages missing. And the family that has the trust says this is what they have. The bottom line is that if the lender is not willing to accept it as a valid copy of the entire trust because it looks like there's stuff missing right on the face, then that's it. You're not going to get a loan. Um, For this family, I would suggest that maybe they, and again, like the previous one, they restate this trust and have it be in a format that actually has consecutive sections and doesn't have what appears to be sections missing from it, and then use the restated trust to apply for their loan. Um, I have seen trusts that have two numbering systems where there's a numbering system on on the left side and on the right side there's like a, a numbering system that refers to the article or clause or section from a drafting system. Very confusing uh, to see that. But in a case like this, I would say, yeah, you probably want to restate it. You probably want to go back and um, and redo that so that you have a coherent document in place and you don't have uh, a mortgage company saying, we're not going to make a loan because it doesn't look looking at the entire uh, the entire document. Okay, uh, here's one. Uh, we have a couple minutes left in this segment. Here's one I think I can dispose of in that time. It says, my father created a special needs trust for me without my consent or knowledge. Can I sue for the money? Well, presumably that means that the father created a trust for this child with the father's own money, which means that uh, it's a, you know you, you can't really sue for the money because it's not yours. It's being held in a trust for you. This person says, I'm not disabled in any way, and I believe he's using the trust to hide assets or may use it in an attempt to control me. He previously embezzled over 200000 from my college fund and deliberately lost $150,000 from my other trust due to completely foreseeable market losses. I, I doubt that, actually, foreseeable market losses. Who could have foreseen what we're going through right now? But what recourse do I have against him? I would say your recourse is to go after him for the $200,000 from your college fund that he took from you that was your money. I don't think you have any recourse against him for a trust that he may have created with his own money. So we're coming up on the end of the third segment of the show today. I have one more segment before we call it a day. If you'd like to call in, the number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. If you have any questions, you can also email me at radio at lawbob.com, and I can respond to questions there on the air as well. So we'll talk with you after the break for the final segment. This is Attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you then. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. Well, we're heading into the final segment of the show today. And um, one more chance to call in if you'd like to. It's 800-516-1220. Otherwise, if no one calls in, I'm going to continue on. 
Okay, here we go. Out of Los Angeles. Question came up, and uh, this is something I talked about earlier in the show. Person said, my dad died, and he and my mom had an A-B trust. Now, what's an A-B trust? An A-B trust is a type of living trust that was created in the past and still can be created today for a, excuse me, for a husband and wife. And um, the and what it says is when one spouse dies, their share of property passes into a trust for the benefit of the surviving spouse. And that trust for the benefit of the surviving spouse is an irrevocable trust. It's what we call the B trust or bypass trust in an AB trust. The A trust or survivor's trust is the property of the spouse that is still alive, um, their share of the property. So an AB trust is designed to split into two trusts at the death of the first spouse. Now, the problem is those types of trusts, which were really, really um, most of what we drafted back in the 70s and the 80s and even into the 90s, were designed to deal with the federal estate tax issue that many estates would have here in California back then. That's because if you didn't draft it in that way and everything went to the surviving spouse who then died, many estates would have had estate tax on a portion of the estate when the surviving spouse died. Now, that's just a very brief summary. I'm not going to go into the details. The question here is, uh, here... Okay, here uh, the question was, uh, apparently they talked with an attorney who said we could go to court to get the trust modified or keep it as an A-B trust and then have to do accounting and maybe even have some extra taxes. And the extra taxes would be when the surviving spouse died for assets that went into the B trust. Is there a way to not go to court? Can't my sister and I and my mom all agree we don't want to do the A-B split and the paperwork? Is the attorney right when he says that since dad died, court is our only option? Well, this is actually a very interesting question. There are attorneys here in California that would tell the family, oh, you mom and you kids, you can agree in writing that you don't have to do this A-B split. You just don't have to do it. And everything could just go to mom in her A-trust and you can go on meriling along your way. And what they're doing is they're using a part of the probate code, section 15404, 15404 of the probate code, that says in the case of an irrevocable trust, which is what the B-trust would be, the settlor, the creator of the trust, and all the beneficiaries can modify the trust by a written agreement between them. The problem is that the settlor or creator of a bypass trust, a B trust, is the spouse that died. Why? Because it's the spouse's, the deceased spouse's share of property that goes into that irrevocable B or bypass trust. That means an agreement between the surviving spouse, even though that person may be a trustor, they're not the trustor that's responsible for the irrevocable trust that was created. 
it's the spouse that died first that is the trustor responsible for that trust. This is why if they do that, they run the risk that it will be ignored by the IRS, that it may even be challenged later on by a grandchild who said, hey, I didn't agree to that. And in the meantime, uh, grandma decided since she owned everything, she turned around and decided to cut out my parent from receiving anything. And that just doesn't seem to be right. Well, you know what? It wasn't right. It wasn't right because there was no legal authority to do that. The proper approach is to do a modification petition through the probate court under probate code section 15403. And I do a lot of those. In fact, I'm I'm in the process now of starting two more of those, uh, talking with people to get those put together. And in both cases, uh, we're getting rid of that B trust, that bypass trust, um, because it's something that the surviving spouse and the kids don't want mom to go through. They'd like to be able to, to get the ease of administration, and they'd also like to be able to get a new cost basis for income tax purposes later on when mom passes away. Well, just got about a minute left today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, I hope that you will tune in next Friday when I come back. I may have a guest next Friday. But until then, please wear your masks outside, practice social distancing, Wash your hands several times a day. Try to avoid using a lot of sanitizer because that can compromise your immune system as well. Look it up. You'll see what I'm talking about. And until next week, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. I hope you have a productive weekend. I hope you can get out and get some vitamin D. Talk with you next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.